Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the course of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Brilliant Squad. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. If you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Monique Malcolm, and the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast is a show for creative people who want to create their own opportunities and make money by leveraging their ideas, talents, and skills. Basically what I call pimping your brilliance. And I host a combination of shows. Sometimes it's me on the mic, solo, sharing bits and pieces of my own journey. Other times I have amazing interviews with wonderful creative entrepreneurs from a variety of different backgrounds. I try to keep this show super inspirational, but I also want it to be very actionable. That's really important to me because it's not enough to hear other people's stories. I want you to go out there and pimp your own dang brilliance and create something amazing with the ideas that you already have, the skills and the talents that you already possess. Let's talk about today's episode because I have another really amazing interview with a creative woman who I just admire and sort of fangirled over And you'll hear the story inside of the episode, but let me stop beating around the bush. I have Amy Tan on the show today. And if you don't know Amy Tan, Amy Tan is a small business owner, proud mama, and hand lettering enthusiast. She is the founder of Amy Tangerine, a brand fully committed to providing creatives with the tools and space to see the bright, shiny side of life. In her day-to-day, Amy makes sweet online content as well as top-end products designed to promote a colorful, positive message. Of course, I would like somebody like that because I love positivity and colors. She also teaches workshops all over the world, films YouTube videos, and consults with awesome brands including American Crafts, Avery, Amazon, and more, all with the intention of building a sense of fun, positive energy, and putting valuable resources out into the world for everyone to use. So doesn't she sound like somebody I want to be friends with? Because of course, she's amazing. And if you don't already, you should totally look her up on Instagram. Her Instagram is beautiful. It's colorful. Amy Tangerine on Instagram. I met Amy Tan earlier this year at Craftcation. We were on a panel together, which again, you'll hear about more in this episode. But of course, I had to ask her to be on the show because I really admire her brand. I love her style. She just is such a positive light in this creative world. And we need as much of that as we can get. So you guys, I'm really excited for you to hear her story. She has an incredible story about how she pivoted from being a t-shirt designer to the scrapbooking industry. And she talks about how that happened. We also talk about online criticism and challenges and keys to success, all of the really good stuff. So I hope that you guys are ready. Grab your pen and your pencil and let's dive in. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Monique. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. As I told you when we met at Craftcation a few months back, I've been following your brand for the longest time. So it was great to one, meet you in person and then to be able to invite you onto the show. So I'm pretty, pretty excited to hear. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you. I really want to hear a bit more about your own story because I got to hear a little bit of it at Craftcation and then kind of talk about some of the stuff that you have going on right now. So let's start at the top. Um, Can you tell us a bit of your story? Like, how did you get to the place that you are today? Sure. I have always been crafty. My parents both encouraged this 
creative side because I was an only child. We would have weekend projects and I would find myself saying that I was bored a lot. And I think to nurture that boredom, they had me busy with different activities. So my mom taught me how to sew. She taught me how to do tie-dye. We made friendship bracelets, all kinds of crafty things that you probably have been familiar with. You know, I grew up in the 80s. So all those different trends and fun activities that you might engage in. I also collected stickers and post-it notes. And I didn't realize back then that it was really planting a seed of loving these little things that brought me joy. And I was able to carry that through my teenage years when it was a little bit difficult. My parents divorced when I was 15 and I needed some kind of creative outlet to focus my energies into. And, you know, the angst of being a teenager, I found myself really kind of going into this negative spiral. So to combat that, I started writing down inspirational quotes in books And I would pass notes to my friends and we would write notes to each other and find these quotes that we really liked and draw them or write them in really colorful and fun ways using markers and different types of pens. And we would also decorate them. So fast forward to when I was in college, I actually started sewing dresses for friends of mine. And I went to school to study industrial design because I got into Georgia Tech and my dad was an engineer and he was so proud of me. And I thought that that would be a great way to segue into something that was interesting. But what I realized is during my time at school, I was working really hard on these projects, spending hours and hours on these assignments and I would come to class for critique and mine would be so bad compared to everybody else's. It was really disheartening and I had spent, you know, six to eight hours on this project and it looked comparatively like I had spent only an hour because the other people were so talented and I felt this sort of uh, unworthiness of being in a place that had put me Uh, I guess it was me really, right? But made me feel less than I was. So I asked my parents if I could transfer to do fashion and I pursued that. But what I found is that Georgia Tech is a really challenging school as it is. And when I went to the new college, I was doing something that I was really interested in and it was actually pretty easy. So once you find something that comes with ease, you sort of go with it. But I had all this free time. So I started working these part-time jobs And I was answering phones at a modeling agency. I was working as a hostess at a restaurant. And then that's when things sort of shifted for me. And I realized that I could actually design a life that I loved, even though I didn't know I was planting the seeds. The modeling agency job I was answering phones for four twenty-five an hour, but there was a photographer who always came in and who we would, you know, chat once in a while. And finally, one day he said, hey, have you ever thought about being a fashion stylist? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he said, basically, you get to go shopping and choose clothing to pin on models to make them look good. And you get paid for it. And I was like, whoa, that is crazy. I love shopping and that sounds great. Sign me up. So we actually 
did a photo shoot at the restaurant that I worked in because we were closed from two to five. So it was a perfect opportunity when the restaurant wasn't filled with guests and there was good lighting. And we got a makeup artist, the photographer, models from Elite Model Management, and I ended up doing sort of the producing of the photo shoot without even realizing it. And once we got the film back, back then it was film, it was a long time ago, guys. (laughs) And uh, we got the film back and Elite Model Management signed me as a stylist right away. And it was one of those things that I realized that, wow, you can really create this life out of the things that you love to do. And it was a good sign because though we didn't get paid for doing it, we were in a space creating together and collaborating. And then I started booking jobs for magazines and catalogs and local jobs in Atlanta that were really so valuable in educating me on a variety of different things. I think I learned a lot of life lessons because I started so young in an industry where people are really striving for a long time to get seen and be noticed. And I ended up starting making these arm warmers. I crocheted these arm warmers to wear on photo shoots and I wore them into a store opening party and they loved them. They placed an order and they sold out of half of them in three and a half hours. And so they said, you're, you're going to think we're crazy, but we need more. So my mom and I are, are crocheting these arm warmers. She had to stay longer. She lived in Chicago at the time. And it was just a funny thing that happened. And of course, there's a lot more time that passes throughout this storytelling. But I ended up in Women's Wear Daily. I got pressed in Lucky Magazine. And then... I decided in the spring to make a hand crocheted or hand embroidered tank tops. And so my mom and I were making these one of a kind tank tops and they ended up getting picked up by Fred Siegel because a friend of mine in the music industry, I was in New York at the time doing a fashion styling job for a record label and he was the A&R guy and he's like, I'm flying out to LA. I was wondering if you had a couple samples you wanted me to take with me because I'm friends with the buyer at Fred Siegel. And sure enough, they picked, they ordered 20 of them. I flew out to LA a week and a half later after they got them. And out of 20, they only had three left. So it was one of those realizations that maybe I could do something with my (laughs) fashion sensibility or something, but it, really didn't get to the point where I actually recognized that I could take it full time. So I was still doing the styling thing. And then fast forward a few months, a store called me and said, you have to pick up Glamour magazine. Cindy Crawford is wearing your tank top. And she was wearing, just to give you an idea, I wholesaled the tank tops for $50 and they retailed for 120. So she was wearing a $120 tank top, working out, doing leg lifts. (laughs) And it was amazing. This paparazzi shot caught her. But it was one of those things that I realized that maybe I should focus my energies on the thing that is carrying me through and could probably blossom into something bigger than I realized. And it turns out, you know, the things that you really love to do, you know how when you get obsessed with something, you spend all your time doing it and thinking about it. And then it becomes sort of a bad thing because I got so immersed in it. I did a trade show in New York, got a ton of orders, but by the time it came to deliver the second batch of orders, which was about 
25 or $30,000 worth of shirts. I was so caught up in producing the last month's batch that I wasn't able to fulfill half the orders. And it was really disheartening. And I almost had a nervous breakdown at, you know, 22 years or 23 years old. And I really needed some guidance. And what I didn't have was experience in working with a company who kind of had a structure in place and a framework in place so that I could learn from their mistakes instead of having to make my own because all I was doing was going at the flow. It was like somebody was asking, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And I was just making it up as I went, as most of us, us actually do, right? But at the time, it felt really daunting. And so when an opportunity came to move out to LA, I took it. Uh, but after they relocated me a week and a half later, they actually let me go. So I was in LA, I had just bought a car and I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I ended up taking about a month off, uh, establishing myself, because my dad told me when I called him that day to tell him that I had no job anymore, he said, well, at least you're lost in the right place. And it made me realize that I needed to be in Los Angeles and now I've been here for 15 years and it's crazy. So. Sorry, that was a really long story. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I've... Wait, are you finished? Because I don't want you to stop if you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> well, then how I got here right now is that I had a fashion t-shirt line, hand embroidered, that did really well for a number of years. It got to the point where we were selling to over 250 stores around the world, and we were able to really get the attention of press and, you know, magazines. And we had shipped, I don't know, 30,000 units out of my Santa Monica loft where it was a live work loft. And I lived 10 blocks from the beach. And literally in that year, I think I saw the beach twice. It was so sad. There was no life balance. Um, I was all about work. I'm basically a workaholic. I'm recovering though. So that was um, in 2007, I started feeling like the economy was turning a little bit because there was a shift. And also I think my energy and focus was shifting as well. And I walked into a scrapbooking store and I think that was the ultimate turning point of my life in that I realized that people were taking the time to play around with stickers, pretty pattern papers, put them alongside their memories. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And I jumped into being part of the scrapbooking community. I was obsessed with scrapbooking. That's all I could think about. And I ended up starting my line with American Crafts in 2011. And I've been doing a collection with them twice a year ever since. And the planner community, as you know, is, as you, I think you know, is know. growing <laughs> and, and, and it's something that I think is so essential to our happiness because we are so busy, we depend on digital so much, but to have something that's tangible, that we can create, we can sit down and give ourselves permission to create something, organize our lives, plan our lives, document them in a really special, unique way it's just so meaningful. 
And I self-published a book called Craft a Life You Love in 2017. It hit number one on Amazon in two categories. And then a few weeks later, a publisher was emailing me to see if they could publish my book. So I got an agent and she put it up for auction. And I ended up going with Abrams, who basically did a revised and expanded beautiful color edition that's available now in bookstores. And we launched it April 10th and we had the launch party at Pinterest headquarters in San Francisco. And it was just the most magical experience. And to have such amazing feedback from people about how the book has really resonated with them, how they feel seen, how they recognize that their hobbies matter it's just been an awesome, awesome experience. And we have connected because we were both at Craftcation sitting on a panel. And I was like, who is this cool girl? Oh, my gosh, I need to be friends with her. And so I'm so glad that you said that you have been following my stuff for a while and maybe you even have some of my stickers. And it just brings me so much joy to see people going out there and creating something that they absolutely love. Okay, so you said so many things that I want to I want to dive into, but um, I didn't even know about all of your fashion and T-shirt things. I found you or I knew about you because of the your craft line um, through American Crafts, because I sometimes I scrapbook. I'm not a consistent scrapbooker, but um, I I love buying like things that I'm going to use for whatever kind of projects. I'm a a crafter like nobody, but um I have some of your stuff. And so when I saw that you were at Craftcation, I was like, oh my gosh, how cool is it that I'll get to meet Amy Tangerine because I have your stuff at home. And then when they said that we were going to be on a panel together, I was like, no way. And I remember telling <laughs> my husband and he was like, what? And I was like, it doesn't matter. I know who she is. <laughs> so, I love it. So super cool. But I want, okay, so you said, well, a few things, um, like listening to your journey um, especially in the beginning when you started fashion styling and then all the things that you did with the clothing line, it made me think of something that I heard on another podcast. Are you familiar with the creative pep talks by um, Andy J Pizza? Of course. Oh, he's so great. But I, so great. I heard on an episode where he was talking about like a part of being a creative is having good taste. So do you feel like that was essential to all of these kind of uh I want to say almost like serendipitous moments where like people were like, oh, this is cool. And I want, you know, some of your work or I want to take some of your work with me to show to other people. Or do you just feel like mm, it was just one of those things? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I do believe that taste is important. But, you know, when you look at the vast majority of creative things that are out there and I sometimes am one of those people who are like, oh, that's just not for me. I think I have a strong gift for identifying, oh, this is for me. Sure, it sounds interesting. I'll give it a shot and leading with my intuition and without even knowing back then that's what it was, if that makes sense, right? So I don't know if it's taste or probably a combination of the fact that, you know, I have had a really good work ethic. And then I think that people gravitate towards people who are doing things or wanting to make an impact or um, at least enthusiastic about things. And I think my enthusiasm for stuff has actually gotten me really, really far. 
Mm, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I, I always just find that kind of an interesting take that he said that about taste. And then when I start looking at people who are creative and have made it really far, I'm like, well, maybe there's something to that. So it's interesting to hear your thoughts on that. But um, I want to dig a little bit more into your pivot from fashion and t-shirts to scrapbooking. Because um, you said you, you went into the craft store, you kind of fell in love with it and became a part of the community. Um, how did you start getting to a place where you were like, I want to design things and actually have like a partnership with a company to get these things produced? So I think a lot of it started because I was immersing myself in anything scrapbooking related. And when I walked into that store, they were actually offering a class the next day. And my cousin who was in town at the time and I signed up for it. So we go to this class and there's about seven of us there. It's a small intimate workshop called Deck of Love. And Emily Falconbridge was teaching it. It was a mini book workshop. So you take this oversized deck of cards and you add your photos and you glue on sequins and you put on stickers and you can put paint on the, the background. You could just explore the card base and then you punch holes into it and have it on a ring and that becomes your deck of love. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because it was a small format. It wasn't as intimidating as this 12 by 12 page. And I think that that segue into the whole scrapbooking world really helped substantiate the fact that you can start where you are no matter what you have, right? So you can take the supplies that are right there available to you and do something with them. You don't have to have all the pretty pattern papers and all the stickers, embellishments, whatever. I mean, it helps to have those things that can inspire you, but you don't have to do it. So I love that she repurposed this oversized deck of cards and created this beautiful project. And she and I actually became friends because she complimented me on my t-shirt and I was obsessed with her and her dreadlocks and she's from Australia. So she had the most beautiful accent. And so we became friends and she would come over, bring me her old scrapbooking stuff that she didn't want anymore. And I taught her how to sew the t-shirts I was wearing. And the reverse applique technique is something that I was happy to share with her because she was just loving the fact that she could create something by hand and she was upcycling upcycling fabrics. And that's how I really got started too is I was taking these men's silhouettes after the tank tops. I was taking these damaged men's shirts that the wholesaler was selling for like $1.50 and they were already garment dyed. So they came in a variety of different colors and I would basically cut them apart to sew up women's t-shirts. And I think that that helped me transform this idea that you can literally make something out of whatever's in front of you and documenting your life and appreciating the people who are in it, taking pause, printing out your photos and actually putting them on paper. There's something that happens that's so visceral and magical with that, especially after you look at it, you go through the process, you enjoy it, you look at it and then years from now, you can share it with others too. You can share that joy immediately and you can share it with others years from now. You know, so it, it's it's a combination of both things where you're able to find this joy. And what I found is that as Emily and I became friends, she was inviting me to all the scrapbooking events that were going on. And there's this big trade show called CHA, which is now called Creativation. 
and there are thousands and thousands of people and hundreds and I mean, maybe even thousands of booths. I don't even know. But it was my place. And I found my people. They were so encouraging. They were just fostering each other's creativity and each other's hobbies. And they just had an optimistic way of looking at life. And even though, obviously, in our lives, we go through struggles, they figured out ways to document those struggles. They figured out ways to preserve the little memories. They just had a great sense of gratitude. And I just loved using everybody's products. And it wasn't until I was probably two or three years in that I said, oh, you know what would be really cool? Because I had those experiences with getting burnt out with the t-shirt business because it was all on my shoulders, I really wanted to, if I could, find a partnership where I didn't have to worry about shipping, I didn't have to worry about production, I didn't have to see any of that because in the t-shirt business, I did all the sourcing, pretty much all the designing, all the shipping, all the order entry, all the customer service, and I had a team you know, that I grew around me, but I felt like there was too much on my shoulders, and I also had sort of a one-third life crisis. I was turning 30 at the time, and I just really was obsessed with scrapbooking, and I got a chance to bring my cousin across country from Chicago to move to LA. And one of the stops was Salt Lake City. And so I asked American Crafts if I could stop by and see their office. And they said, absolutely, we'll go to lunch. So just bringing that up via email um, after, so I had also been on their design team. I should probably back up and say that. So getting immersed with a hobby such as scrapbooking, you'll find that there are sort of these, uh, what are those like brand ambassadors that mm -hmm. get the box of newest products and then you get to use the products to showcase different ways and inspire other people to obviously buy the products. And I was on their design team for, I think at that time, maybe just a year or two. And so I obviously already had an in with American Crafts, but they didn't actually have to invite me into their office, right? If I hadn't said anything, then they probably would have been like, oh, you when you were in Salt Lake, you probably should have stopped by. So I encourage you guys out there to, if there's an idea in your head and it's just it's this light, little tiny seed that's planted, why not just say something? Just the same way you said to me at, craftcation you said hey i'd love to have you on my podcast and now we're sitting here talking right if you had never mm -hmm. said that maybe this would have not happened so soon right so i think that it's one of those things if you have an inkling inside of you that just needs to get out you should just say it what's the worst that could happen so i went to their office and we got to have a little tour and while we were there i said to them hey if you're ever thinking about doing a collaboration then let me know because I'd be really interested. And they said, we were actually thinking about asking you. And it turned out that fast forward six months, I got the call and they said, all right, come to Salt Lake City next month and bring us all your ideas. And it's just going to be a one-off scrapbooking collection. So let us know if you um, have anything that you want to make that that's special or yeah, basically bring all your ideas. And so that's what I did. And that was a collection that debuted in the summer of 2011 in a trade show in Chicago. 
And ever since, I've been doing two lines with them a year, and it's been so special. They are an amazing company that helps support smaller designers. I was the second outside designer that they brought in, and now the family has grown to, I don't know, maybe over a dozen designers, and I think it's just so funny that they actually call us celebrity designers, which I think is really silly because I don't feel that way at all, but they just didn't have another way of putting it. And the support that we have had with the community, I've been able to teach workshops all over the world through scrapbooking. And it's been just such a wonderful, wonderful side hustle turned my life. I love it. Okay. So I want to switch gears just a little bit. And I want to ask you about social media because you've grown a really huge following. And I know that you are regularly documenting to your life and posting things about your creative work and your travels and a bit about your family. Do you have like boundaries or rules in place on how you share online or what you share online? I do. And I think that that's really important for everybody to recognize that there is no one hard and fast rule. I think everybody's different and has a unique perspective and a unique way of showcasing what they want. For a while there, I was, I mean, ever since I started social media, I was just having it be an extension of what was going on in my life. So I've been sharing by nature since I was scrapbooking because scrapbookers, that's how they shared was via blogs. So I started a blog in 2007, just talking about what my day-to-day was like, my scrapbooking projects, some random photos here and there, the dogs. And I got to a point where I think I was just sharing my life because it was such a wonderful community of people who were interested in it. And I felt like I could learn from so many other people's blogs And at the time, you know, Instagram hadn't come out yet. And when Instagram did come out, I was at the beach with a bunch of my college friends in Florida. And one of them had shown me Instagram. And we basically just used it for the filters because (laughs) they had these filters that nobody else had. You couldn't take a phone picture and have it look a certain way. You couldn't make it look vintage. You couldn't put a border on it. And now it seems so silly because that's so obvious to people. But it wasn't until like 2010 or whenever they came out that um, that was available. And I don't think I got on until 2011. So it was just an organic way of sharing. And I think that somewhere along the way, things that I was sharing started to resonate. It was probably when I had about 17,000 followers that I started doing these motivational Monday quotes. And I would watercolor so that I could practice my brush lettering. And then I decided to do these quotes every Monday because on Sundays I would get sort of sad that the work week was starting but I realized that I needed something uplifting. So I needed a mantra or something positive and something to motivate me. And turns out that sharing it actually motivated other people too. And then they started sharing it and reposting it. And, you know, they pinned it on Pinterest. They pinned it from my blog. And I think it just grew from there. And I was able to get some really cool brand deals. I did a Dunkin' Donuts watercolor piece for them that went sort of viral. Um, And 
I think with boundaries and social media, it really has to be so personalized. There are things that I am so free to share talking to people in person, but I I don't know how to formulate it on social media. So I would say that I probably share a good amount But I'm also very protective now that I have a five and a half year old and I have to be very cognizant of that part of my life that it's not like I'm holding back anything. It's just that I'm choosing what parts need to be said and what parts need to be shared. And I think my husband is a more private person than I am for sure. So there is a conscious effort to really... I don't want to dilute anything, but at the same time, I think that everybody gets to see a good, good chunk of me and how I am because I've gotten numerous comments about how I'm just like I am on my blog, right? I'm just like I am on my YouTube channel. You know, I'm not trying to front anything. I'm not trying to throw people off. And I hope that that encourages people to share their authentic, true selves You know, if I'm having a hard time, I do definitely include that in the caption, but I might post a pretty picture to go along with it. And it's one of those things that's just sort of inherent in memory keepers and especially modern day memory keepers when we have this opportunity to share on Instagram and share on these public platforms, it becomes like our digital scrapbook, right? I mean, you said that you don't scrapbook consistently, but many of us don't actually. Many of us just get some time here and there and we'll make the occasional page and we always feel behind. That's just something (laughs) that (laughs) that is a truth no matter who you talk to. I think that there are ways around it so that you don't have to. I mean, there's no rule that you have to scrapbook chronologically, right? Why did we always just make that up in our heads? And so, I mean, I'm sure you, you get it. You like to dabble in the creativity. You like to buy the supplies because who knows what project you'll be able to use them for. And I feel like that's the way with paper crafters. And when you go into a craft store and you see something that you like, I always say just buy it. You never know when your stroke of genius is going to hit and you're going to say, I'm so glad I have these on hand so that I can make something with them. Um, That's exactly me. And when you just said there's no rule that has to be chronological, I think I've come to that point where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to be like a brain dump scrapbooker. Like I'm just going to take all the pictures and bits and pieces and just put them wherever they go (laughs) and not worry about like, oh, did you document all the days of vacation in order? Because then I just never do it because who ha- I don't have time. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, but, and it's not about that, right? It's documenting. You can't possibly, nobody can possibly document every single moment anyway. And at the end of the day, five years from now, does it really matter if it happened on vacation on a Tuesday or Wednesday? It doesn't. It happened on that trip. And to talk to ourselves in a bad way and say, oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything at all. I think that's far worse than just getting something done on paper, encouraging yourself to say, hey, this is a memory I want to keep and I'm going to write two sentences about it. And then maybe the next day you have a little bit more time and feel a little bit more inspired to decorate it a little bit more. And then you write two paragraphs. I don't think there are any rules when it comes to creativity, but I do think that it's so important for us to get out of our heads. And I think that that has been the power of putting pen to paper for me and the need for writing the book, Craft a Life You Love, is to 
consistently encourage people that their memories and their hobbies matter, their lives matter, and we actually all have the same amount of hours in the day, right? So time is something that we can see as a tool and we can hopefully better prioritize our lives to have a little bit more balance or harmony. I've, I've decided to screw balance and it's all about harmony for me now. And as a Libra, it's kind of a hard thing to come to terms with. But it's really about the flow of our energy and where we want to express ourselves. And I know that for me and probably for you, right, your husband probably notices this. If you haven't been creative for a while, I don't know. I'm just going to speak for myself. I get a little uptight and a little annoyed at stuff. And I have a shorter fuse. And my husband recognizes that and is really just so aware of how I need to operate. If if I need to spend two hours in the studio, you know, because I haven't been able to for days, then that's what I give myself permission for. And he totally supports that. I, I am one of those people who, if I haven't been creative or done things in a while, I do tend to get a little not nice. Um, one of the things that I've, I've just kind of embraced is I'm really big into spinning, taking spin classes. Ooh. And so that is the thing that I'm just like, I haven't spun in a couple of days and I'm coming unglued. Yes. So we need to go. <laughs> yeah, everybody has their thing, right? And I think that that is something that we really, I mean, in spinning, you are taking care of yourself. You're feeding your soul in some way, right? That's why the spin place that I love is called Soul Cycle. And, oh, gosh. you know, there's something <laughs> magical about that. There's a connection that you make when you're on that bike. I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so glad that you're a fellow spin enthusiast because every time I tell people about my love for spin, they're just like, I don't know, the spin bike hurts and they have all these things. And I'm like, you either love spin or you don't. And those of us who do, like, there is just something about the time on that bike that I can't replicate anywhere else. (laughs) Oh, it's so special. It really is. It's my favorite thing. I want to ask you about, um, because you've shared some of your challenges like early on in your your journey, but what do you feel have been like your keys to success? Ooh, I would say a key to success is something I brought up earlier, which is enthusiasm. I think you have to have this joy that comes from pursuing your passion. And if you are out there and you're feeling like you're unsuccessful or you're feeling like you're being bogged down or you're struggling, just know that you're on the right path and you just need to keep going a little bit further. And I think that the most important thing is that when you do meet some sort of resistance, the idea of success that you have in your mind is probably in need of some tweaking because I know that I used to view success in a number of different ways. And once you hit those goals or those markers or you don't hit them, you know, life still goes on. (laughs) You actually have become a better person and have been nurtured because of what you've been through. And so just because you might think of something as a failure, you might actually have to reframe it in your mind. So maybe one of the keys to success is actually resilience and a willingness to 
go for the things that you want to do and how you want to spend your time and who you want to spend it with and being really, really clear on those goals. Because I think sometimes we as, you know, successful entrepreneurial types or control freaks, I should say, for me, I'm a control freak. And I have to let go of certain expectations of myself, of others, or else all I'm doing is being resistant to what the universe is wanting to provide. And I know that's going to sound a little woo-woo, but I've noticed that in my life when I try too hard and I think it's something that either a goal that was planted by my parents or an outside force, I really have to get still and get quiet and sometimes just go paint for the heck of it or go just cut up some paper or or zone out and watch Big Little Lies or zone out and do something that is, you know, take a walk or do something for me that is different because then I can get clear on taking pause looking at the situation and really having a new lens that's fresh to view it from. Okay. And then I want to ask you about something really quickly before we wrap it up, because uh, you mentioned it right before our call. And I remember you saying something about it um, on our panel on Craftcation. Will you talk just a little bit about dealing with online criticism? Sure. My goodness. Right. <laughs> I got my first, so I started a podcast called Craft a Life You Love, and I got my first one-star rating. Okay, there's 43 five-star ratings and one one-star rating. And I, at first, was sort of, I walked through this process of like, wait a second, what? Oh my gosh, somebody hates it. Somebody, I shouldn't do this anymore. Oh my gosh, what do they say? Uh, somebody doesn't doesn't like my podcast. Ah, you know, all these fears and doubts and things that are natural for you to go through as you see something that isn't expected because luckily I have gotten so much support from this community. I rarely have to deal with negative comments. I mean, it's very, very rare on my YouTube channel, on my Instagram, on my blog, anywhere that I have to deal with too much negativity. And I feel blessed that way. But I really think that it's the strength of the community that comes together. And they're the ones who understand it, right? So I'll just read it to you. Um, It says, the title is called Seriously with a question mark. Craft my way to happiness. Scrapbook to success. Surely you jest? Question mark. So after I read it a few times, I was like, wait a second. I'm going to say he because I'm assuming it's a male. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. This podcast is not for him. I don't know why you would feel the need to leave a negative rating and a negative comment when this has nothing to do with him. Why Why is he trolling something that says craft a life you love when he doesn't clearly like crafting, he doesn't like his <laughs> life, and he probably doesn't like love, you know? It's like, yes, seriously. So my response was I went on Instagram stories and I just kind of walked through my tips on how the process of how I felt. And I just want to encourage people to recognize that what you are doing, what you are showing up for, if you are sharing on social media, there are going to be 
tons of people who are cowards and who are scared to even put themselves out there. So just by the simple act of you doing that, you make yourself vulnerable to the people who want to bring you down because they are so unhappy and miserable in their own lives that that's the only thing that they want to spend their time doing. And it's really sad, but I have to say that it's not going to stop me from making my podcast. And ironically, something about pursuing your passions came out as a solo episode right around that time too. And I think that it it gives us such a great reflection on why I do this because I got flooded with hundreds of responses saying, Amy, please don't let that bother you. You are such a gift. You're so amazingly inspiring. Um, there's just so many there are so many more benefits to sharing something than to not sharing it, especially when it comes to the creative world. And if somebody doesn't get it, that's okay. And if somebody wants to waste their time, that's okay. I don't want to spend too much energy on it, but I also want it to not discourage other people who are making things. Because what if I didn't have such a great support system? What if I was just starting out and I got that comment, you know, and I just quit? How sad would that be because maybe there are other people's lives who could hear a conversation and get something huge out of it. In fact, a few hours after that comment was posted, somebody said, um, I have always loved crafting and I have always loved planners, but I recently discovered Amy's work when I purchased her USB of images with her collab with We Are Memory Keepers. I was hooked. I found her book and I was inspired. Then I discovered her podcast and I was hooked. I love how she, I feel connected with her via a podcast. She is 100% relatable. I even cried in episode two with Kathy Heller. I felt like they were both speaking directly to me and I was moved. The positivity, the encouragement, the inspiration, all of it. I feel it. I love it. I needed it. A fire was lit in me, and I thank Amy. This is the best podcast that has happened to me. I mean, are you kidding me? That happened literally hours after this negative comment. So, you know, you have to keep yourself grounded and realize that there is the funny thing is there is truth to what the negative person said, but in the most ironic way, right? Yes. Guess what? You can craft your way to happiness. I am serious. You can scrapbook to success. Yes, it's true. Those are true things. You know, so I think you have to take the negativity with a grain of salt. And, you know, we are so focused and I guess, um, I guess programmed to out of a hundred comments, let's say, if one negative comment is there, that's what sticks, right? Why is that? Why do we do that? Know. Why do we allow so ourselves crazy. to do that? It's the craziest thing and it's so unnecessary. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, it did. It did. And thank you for sharing that because I, I always try to make sure I balance like the realities along with like the, inspir- the inspiring good pieces. All right. So now we are at my favorite part of the show because I always like to leave the listeners with something actionable that they can do and that they can apply right away. So this is our Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. And for you, Amy, I would love if you would share three ways that we can craft a life that we love. Okay, number one, take the next week and get a piece of paper or a journal and take two minutes or five minutes, whatever time you have in the morning, and just write 
three things that you're grateful for or three things that you want to do and three positive things about yourself and just do it for a week and see how dramatically your life changes and see how you can lay the foundation for your day in such a brighter way. And I, I promise you in seven days, you'll notice a shift and just focus on the positive. Okay. Only positive things you're grateful for, things you want to do and things that make you happy and, you know, nice things about yourself. Number two, I would say, what is something that you haven't done for a while that feeds your soul that you want to do? Write it down, put it out into the universe and try to make that happen within the next couple months if it's attainable. If it's a small goal, just go for it. You know, take some time and do what feeds your soul. And number three, I would say, is give yourself grace throughout this whole process. You can go onto Pinterest and look up inspirational quotes. You can try lettering them in your journal. You can try doing something, making something that you've seen on Pinterest that you've been wanting to make for a while, or just sit there and recognize that you already are enough with wherever you are. And it's okay to not know the direction you're going, but give yourself grace, take those action steps in one and two, and I hope that you feel inspired to craft a life you love, infusing creativity, fun, and intention into your daily lives. Awesome. I love it. And then finally, um, what are you currently reading or what have you read recently that we should know about? Okay, so the book that I'm obsessed with that I read actually last year that I'm rereading again is called Loving What Is, and it's by Byron Katie, and she has a process called The Work which is four questions that you can ask yourself in any given situation. And it's amazing how transformational those four questions are. And I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, The parts that I had to skim in the book, some of the situational ones where she's talking to people, I, I sort of, you know, glanced over those because they weren't at the time relevant, but I know that with the four questions, people's lives have been changed and transformed. So yeah, it's called Loving What Is, Byron Katie. All right, so I will add that to the show notes. And if listeners want to get in touch with you or find you online, where will they find you? amytangerine.com and I am Amy Tangerine just about anywhere. I'm active on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel and a new podcast called Craft a Life You Love. And yeah, reach out, say hi, send me a note. I'm super approachable and I love hearing from people. All right. Well, thank you again, Amy, for being on the show. This was great. I'm so glad that I asked you to be on the show and that you said yes. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, guys, until next week, go out there and pimp your brilliance. Ha 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 